Welcome once again, my friends, to the Global Gale podcast. My name is Philip O'Connor. If you're listening for the first time, I'm delighted you found me. Hang around. Go back through the old back catalog. There's an awful lot of episodes there on the Arrowman in Stockholm podcast feed. When I started podcasting, it was all to do with media and society from where I live in Scandinavia. And then I moved on to doing a little bit of football with the Premier Swedes. And I have a podcast for the Irish in Sweden. And this podcast that you're listening to now, which is called The Global Gale. It has a very uh, well-defined target audience of the 70 million or so people of Irish heritage around the globe. And sure you deserve to be tuning in for all sorts of different reasons. Uh, This week you might be tuning in because the guest is Sean Ryan, a mead man who lives uh, below in Brussels in Belgium and we got chatting about the GAA and that kind of thing and it's one of those things that wherever the Irish people go you will find the GAA. Wherever you go on holidays you'll see the lad uh, in the GAA jersey. Whenever you watch a big sporting event, golf, Formula One, it doesn't matter. You'll always see the fella in the Kerry jersey. And it's also something that increasingly has uh, is being taken to heart by people around the world. We spoke to that chap a few weeks ago, um, Ronan, who was talking about the GAA in Cambodia. And you kind of think to yourself then that, you know, the Irish and Sweden podcast last week was about the first tournament of the year that we had down in Malmo. And then you think, Jesus, should I really be doing another GEA podcast already? And I'm going, you know what? I probably should. Because New York playing against Beaton Leitrim, playing against Sligo, this is a huge part of who we are. And it doesn't really matter if you were born in Ireland and were, you know, with one club your whole life and played for your school and played in Croke Park, or if you were born in Australia or if you were born in San Francisco. It's just something that we all have with us. And even if we haven't played the games ourselves, we have the memory of... Uh, the, the people around us who might have had a hurley back in, in Boston or, or whatever, you know. So I, I'm not going to make any excuses whatsoever, lads, for talking about the yeah, and no doubt there'll be more of it during the summer now when, uh, or certainly the European summer when the championships are taking place. I hope you're all well. Before we get into the chat with Sean, just remember, this is a community-supported uh, podcast, right? It's a community-based podcast. It only exists because we do, all 70 million of us. And I could do with your help in two ways, right? One is if you have a few bob, right? Patreon.com forward slash Arrowman in Stockholm. Feel free to throw in a fiver or a tenner a month there. I could really do with it because I'm hoping to grow this to something that will be just, that I can take it around the world. I can go and meet you where you are. But to do that, we need resources and we need sponsors and we need patrons like your good self. So if you happen to be able to afford the price of a pint or a large cup of coffee in one of the more expensive European capitals or indeed down below in Doha, there was a few pricey spots I went to when I was down there in December. If you can do that, I'd greatly appreciate it. And you'll find a whole bunch of podcasts other than this one, as I mentioned at the top of the show, on the feed there. The other one, lads, and I like I know I bang on about a lot, share the podcast, right? Because every time I meet somebody and they say, oh, jeez, I didn't know you had a podcast for your Irish abroad, it kind of drives me just a tiny little bit mad. And you can't be rude to people because they've, they found you and now they're on the boat and they're part of this wonderful community that we're growing here. Uh, so you can't be mad at them. So if you do have the chance, right, stick it in your Instagram story. Tag me at Philip Alblana. Tag Sean now at the GEA room as you're going to hear all about uh, his various different Instagram and TikTok 
TikTok and Twitter accounts and that kind of thing. So in doing things that way, it helps the algorithm to help find other Irish people around the globe. And that's really what this is for, lads. I, I could sit here and talk to myself without recording any of it, and God knows I did it for many years. But if we're going to grow a community and if we're going to be in touch with one another, I think that's the best way to do it, is to reach out to one another. And it also helps me find fascinating guests like Sean. I think it was on an episode of the podcast recently where I was talking to Aoife Moore, uh, the brilliant Irish journalist from Derry. We were talking, to, uh, we were talking about the Good Friday Agreement. And uh, I was putting a shout out to guests because your stories are what I want to be bringing people as well. So don't be shy, you know. Pretend that it's like, you know, you've had a few pints and it's 10 o'clock in the evening in the local back home and you're happy enough to tell your story to people. And then transfer that, get a Zoom invite on of me and come on to the podcast and talk about it. And it doesn't matter if you're in business or in academia or in sport or the, the gar, if you're playing tennis or whatever you're up to. So we're only too happy to talk to people who have interesting stories to tell. Now, one of those people who has an interesting story to tell is Sean Ryan, and he's coming up very, very shortly indeed, right? But the thing I found fascinating about Sean was that, A, he's a lot younger than me, right? So, you know, the internet was in its infancy when I started out in journalism. I don't think it even existed when I started out in journalism but now the likes of Sean are embracing things like TikTok and they're reaching a huge audience right I work for one of the biggest news agencies in the world as a freelancer and I guarantee you that nobody knows who I am right I'll write Premier League match reports about the biggest club in the world nobody gives a sugar whose name is on it right and yet there's Sean Ryan and the GEA room and Belgium GEA and he's reaching the kind of audience that I could only have dreamt of in the 90s in Dublin when I was working in sports radio back then on NDCR, North Dublin Community Radio. So Sean reached out to me when I put out the, the shout for guests and he's, uh, we've had Tony Bass on before of course he's very much involved in Gaelic Games Europe which previously used to be called uh, the European County Board and it was fascinating because I spoke to Tony for a long time back there in the European winter and now I spoke to Sean I don't think we repeated ourselves barely at all because there's so many different aspects of the games and there's so many disp- different aspects of our experience of the games and what we can do to grow the games I'm sure Jesus you could be talking forever about it so rather than listen to me let's go and have a wee chat now with Sean Ryan from Belgium GAA all the way from Mead doing great things out there not just on the football and hurling fields but also on social media. Sean, I always love when people reach out to me and go, do you know what? I'm involved in the GEA abroad and my little heart just leaps all together. Could you tell me how you managed to get involved over there in Belgium, in G- in the GEA there? Yeah, yeah. Well, when I came over uh, back in November 2018, uh, kind of I think the best way to do it when you're moving abroad into a city that you don't really have a clue what's going on or where, where to move, you message the GEA club and... I messaged one of one of the former PROs. He's one of our hurlers still now playing. Uh, and I messaged asking, you know, where's places that maybe I should avoid or where's places that like in terms of the area, what are kind of web pages or websites or Facebook groups I should join or, or whatever in that sense. And he gave me like, he was very sound and gave me like this big list of like kind of maybe areas that are where the majority of say the Irish are staying, where, where kind of places to, might be avoided because in different cities around Europe, you kind of, there are some places that that maybe not so much suited for for the likes of Irish people but uh so I messaged him and 
then moved over and I kind of came during the winter time and there wasn't much too, too much going on. So then I got a message saying in January that we're doing a bit of pop-up hurling in the park. So usually we train like on an actual rugby pitch and we, you know, we have the full pitch available. But during the month of January, just on a Sunday morning, at like 10 o'clock or nine o'clock in the morning, we have these little goals, maybe waist height, and you might play 5v5 in it for the hour. So I said I'd come along to that. So then joined in there and said, oh, I'm only going to just play hurling. But then obviously uh, some lads, because some lads in the, the the football team might be like, oh, geez, you play football at home. Sure, you can join us as well. So then I got roped into the football as well. So I play football and hurling and I've been playing it for a good a good bit now with Belgium. And, and I, I I would see it as my home, par- home parish slash club. I know I have my home clubs back in Ireland, but I find... Uh, I find now this is kind of where I'm more a bit more settled in with it. Footballers are devils for doing that kind of thing. You know, if they <laughs> see a hurler, they just go, "Yeah, I know, I know you love the hurling, right?" But come on over here, kick yeah, the big yeah, yeah, anyway, yeah, you know? yeah. Would you describe yourself then first and foremost as a hurler? And what's your club background at home? Was that what you said? Uh, no? So, so I would be. Uh, so I'm I'm from Mead. So I'd be from a football club called Summerhill and a hurling club called Kiltail. Both of them would be fairly strong senior teams in Mead. Uh, during college you could like there wasn't you'd be working during the weekends and you'd be up like you'd be in college during the week so I could a lot of the time I was only able to play one but I would still obviously I'd be playing both of them up until minor under 21 uh, and people ask me this if I prefer hurling or prefer football and it really depends in what what form I'm in in terms of at the moment I would probably say I'm playing better at football than I am at hurling I, we had a couple of tournaments already this year and Hurling performance have been as as good, but the football has been better. So at this moment in time, I prefer football. But you could easily ask me now in a month's time, and I would say I prefer hurling. Uh, in terms of last year, I was the hurling manager. Uh, in so, like, but this year I, I've just become a player. Uh, but yeah, I would I'd never say any preference because I, I've I've played them both as much as possible in growing up, and I'm doing the same now as well. Hurling is difficult though because like football you can walk away from and I don't know yeah. I just get the feeling I can come back to football a year after without touching about I still know what to do but there's a there's a skill involved in hurling that you have to keep fresh you have to be out there poking the slither off the barn wall the whole time like you know just to keep it in there and it requires a little bit more you know and um, were you surprised when you got to Belgium in 2018 that there was such a vibrant scene because you came along at, at a time when it was it was starting to get quite mature there was 80 90 clubs in Europe there was a lot of games to be played where you're living yeah yeah, yeah. I, I had no no kind of idea I knew there'd be a, a good few people Irish kind of just to do with the EU and the institutions but I didn't I didn't really have a clue that say like so Belgium GA we would be one of the biggest clubs in Europe, if not the biggest, but Amsterdam are pretty big and Luxembourg as well. And there's a few in Madrid and, and Warsaw would have a decent size as well. So we 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 used to, I remember I'm seeing old things from a while back saying that we're, we're the biggest club in Europe, but me being PRO now, I changed all the website to say we're one of the biggest. So the people, so no arguments can happen or anything like that. It's, it's just, it's, it's more. Come, maybe, come at the king, you better not miss. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I, I was massively surprised in terms of how many people are out playing football or hurling. And then we have like a, we have an incredibly successful ladies and ladies football and camogie team as well. Mm-hmm. So we have over around 100 to 115, 20 members in our club. And probably you'd get maybe maybe 15 to 20 to 25 people down a train and per code on, on a night. So 
when I first saw, I couldn't believe then kind of how, how many people, because sometimes you'd play at home, you go to a train in, at home and especially maybe in February, January or February, and you might only get 10 or 11 people maybe come there and train on, on, uh, on, uh, on, on whichever day. But I definitely felt that there's a, there's a big sense of Irishness in Brussels. Definitely an example that I, I say at home, people think it's crazy is I've never heard Irish being spoken so much in my life than living in Brussels. Without a doubt, now I'd be near a, a, a Gwaeltocht area in Mead. There's a small Gwaeltocht area in Mead called Rakarn. And, but here, I'd say nearly every night at training, lads would be speaking to each other in Irish because a lot of their jobs involve speaking Irish. Uh, now, I don't have Irish myself before you ask me anything to say anything in Irish. But, I was uh, going to switch there, but we, we, let's not do that no, for now. No, no, no. But <laughs> lot, lot, lots of lads, we speak to children in Irish at training or if we meet up at the weekend for a few drinks or watching watching a game on the TV, they might have might have a conversation in Irish, which I found at the very start. I was like, what is going on here? But it's it's also, it's great to see as well. And that would be people who work for the EU, maybe as translators or in some sort of government or, or civil service job there, that kind of thing, would it? Yeah, yeah. So you have you'd have translators, but also because Irish is an official language of the EU. So if I wanted to go work in one of the institutes, I would need a second language, which I don't. I only have English. So, but I get away fine in terms of in terms of living here. It, it's it's no problem. But people could use Irish to as their second language, even if they might necessarily need to use it. They just need to kind yeah. of pass a, a certain test. It's called the EPSO test, basically, yeah. in Irish and. So people, a lot of people do use it, but then a lot of people would just use it to be able to get into the institutions. Yeah. It's one of the things I noticed and since I started doing these podcasts, Sean, that it's definitely, definitely making a comeback. Like in the in the 80s when I was growing up and going to the Grailtucht and, and, and learning and that kind of thing, and then it fell away because you've nobody to use it with, you know. But I've noticed now we had uh, Jane on this podcast a little while ago down in the Gugan Bar and she's offering online lessons. Uh, there's a group here in Stockholm in Sweden. They meet up in Veerson's pub and they speak in Irish and they help each other out and that kind of thing. Is it, you mentioned that when you're out on a Saturday night, you might have lads sitting in the corner there, not necessarily sitting in a corner, but they'd be speaking Irish like in a, in a, in a very sort of a very lively social setting. That's all part of it, is it? Yeah, 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 100%. Like an example, actually, just last Saturday, we hosted a, we hosted a Kaylee, and that was the mm. first time we were able to do that in 2000, since 2019, obviously with COVID and so on. Uh, and we had around 100 people. We it, It's basically, as you would imagine, a, a town or a parish hall. And we had maybe our six or seven Irish musicians and we had around 100 people there and not a lot of people would know how to dance or, or whatever. But it was it was somehow the crack and oh, yeah. throughout throughout the night, obviously, there was a lot of Irish being spoken and there was people that not even part of the club were getting involved, just Irish living out here that you, you wouldn't really see. Mm. But it, I think it would be a, it's, it's, it's a big thing, especially for a lot of people over here that uh they they want to keep it going and want to just keep the language fresh and it's kind of it's it's involved with a lot of people's jobs but they feel that it's it's maybe necessarily just to yeah just to exactly as you said promote the language and just to keep keep their their own their own kind of mind set on it and and not even though they're they're very good they speak completely fluent but maybe just so they don't yeah. lack 
lacking it basically. Well, it's, yeah. it's very much a case of use it or lose it because yeah, like that yeah. was the same thing. I would have had a fairly decent level at leaving cert level, and uh, and that's just you know at the moment now I'll watch TG Cahar, I'll understand what they say, but get me in a conversation, it doesn't take me long until I get yeah, stuck yeah. looking for a word, you know. And um, you mentioned there, you just sort of flew by that thing. Oh, PRO, PRO now of Gaelic Games Europe, right? No, uh, no, uh, be- be- sorry, the Belgium. Oh, Belgium GAA, GAA sorry. sorry, sorry. But, no, no. Uh, no that's, a, that's a mistake on my part then because I was one of those people who sort of got involved as chairperson in our club here and fell in then to, to, to Gaelic Games Europe as well. As PRO, this is one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you, Sean, because you seem to have a much better grasp of TikTok, of live streaming, of that kind of thing. Is that where the growth in the GEA is going to come from? The growth in awareness? Is that where the new players are going to come from? Have you seen anything from the work that you've done as PRO that's bringing in players through that channel yeah yeah i i 100 think so uh like for instance what i've i've done so at the moment i would say say in in europe in the camogie scene last year our own camogie team were maybe there there were maybe the only teams that were going or competing just sometimes there would be other teams but there was at one stage there was a tournament and there was three camogie teams in it uh and but all three were belgium so I, I I went to do a test, not with not with Europe, but just in, in the city of Brussels, where I started doing some paid advertising. So, you know, it doesn't even have to be necessarily too much in terms of the GEA scene, like maybe 100 to 200 euro, you know, and over over five or six weeks period where like advertising just at a sport, you know, so it, it's it's about getting people involved and paying that on under Instagram as they're scrolling through stories or reels on Facebook and so on. I feel stuff like that. There's a little gap in the market there because people are interested in it. And I think I feel the, the way I kind of see it sometimes is coming out, say just for, for the Europe sense is moving abroad here. You might think that the level or the kind of uh, competitiveness or the dedication that's needed to play in, in, in Europe is the same as is at home when it would I wouldn't say so so say from my from my experience back at home you might be training three times a week and possibly in a game as well and sometimes you might have a 9 a.m on a Sunday morning type of training but over here it's 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 a very it's more of a social thing and mm. I was trying what I try to do as PRO is to try to to say that we it's it's all levels so people are starting from beginners and not even Irish people are starting which is great in our club uh, especially on the ladies side of things but I feel that to try and to try and like if if I'm back in Ireland, right, say, and I've never played football or hurling in my life and I go to maybe 22 or 23 and you're, I, it could seem very intimidating maybe to join a senior club or an adult club back at home. So I try to make the point that this is a very kind of easy going. We take it serious when we play. I'm not going to say we're we're. We're we're on we're on the points all weekend when and we don't really care because we we do as well of course I do you put in I put in a, a few hours a week every week for a year I'm I'm obviously going to care and kind of want to be competitive, uh, but at the same time we try to encourage the social side and it's very social as well and we as Belgium have al- always pride ourselves in having two teams so an, an A and a B team or we call it the development team. So it doesn't matter your skill level, there's still going to be game time. And if, if you're tra- if you're around for trend for once a week or twice a week or whichever, it's it's still it's still good in that sense. So mm. it's 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 trying it's about kind of promoting it from Europe side anyway, that it, this is a this is a good way to connect with the Irish community, no no, regardless of what your skill level is, and you'll still have fun and still have game time as well. 
in terms of what you asked for the, the, the GEA at this, uh, going back, yeah, I, I think I, I would think there's still more that can be done. Uh, I definitely don't want to slate anyone or anything like that. Ah, but go I, I feel, on. It's always no, good just, Do a Joe Brawley on it. Just, go on. <laughs> no, no, no. But my, my, what, when you mentioned the TikTok going to the other side is, is the page I run called the GEA Room. And I've started that around three months ago and it's going very well. And what I've started to do is try and find things that the GEA or kind of other broadcasters might necessarily be doing and kind of, uh, and trying to target that market. So for example, kind of a good example on that might be uh, a couple of weeks ago was the end of the National League across all four divisions. It was the last the last game week. So it was like some teams were going to get promoted. Some teams were going to get relegated. So like it was a lot of things could have happened, but all the games were on at the same time mm. uh, on the last day. So I made like a, the best way to call it is like a Gillette Super Soccer Saturday type of thing. Uh, a live stream for like two hours or three hours where say I was looking at division two and I was watching the game in division two, one of the lads was watching the division one game uh, and he was keeping an eye on the table of that. So we had live table. Well, we had a live table from, from another GA live league tables on Twitter. He was doing a live stream of that. Mm. So, uh, so we were able to have uh, like four lads each watching each league. Like one of the lads had a, had a Fermanagh game in his ear, listening to, to a radio station. Another lad was listening to division four. And I felt like something like that. So I, I try to find these little things that maybe could be done or, or maybe could be done. And I find that like there, sometimes I just see, oh, this, this, why are people doing this? And then trying, trying to do it in that sense. So there are, there's definitely a way to, to, to up, to up it a bit more, small bit more, even yeah. uh, different ideas, maybe. Yeah. We streamed a few games live here. Um, I don't know if you know Jerome Quinn, who does a lot of stuff at Champion yeah, of the North. He yeah, does yeah. a lot of stuff in it. And we streamed, I can't remember what year it was, maybe 2018, 2019. We streamed games here from Stockholm. And there was a tiny, but the, probably the most dedicated audience I've ever had for any live stream I've ever been involved in. Like people just got, uh, there was one lad playing for us and he, I think he split an eye open or something like that at some point in the season. I mentioned that in the commentary and he never told his mother that he was after getting a bang in the head earlier on in the year, you know? So yeah. uh, he got into trouble over that. But it does seem to be a way to create engagement. But I suppose one of the questions I have for you, Sean, is you mentioned the paid advertising there, taking a couple of hundred euros and putting it out there. Who are you aiming for, right? Because with social media advertising, you can throw a whole bunch of stuff at the wall and see what sticks. Are you very specific? Is it only Irish people? Or is it, you know, everybody who's basically looking for a bit of crack, somewhere to do, something social to do? Yeah, so so with our club, so it, it, I did I did say both of those things, which you just said. So I was looking, I did, for, for say, a certain type of ad, I would specifically target Irish living people, like, so people who are interested in, say, the IRFU, the FAI, who are who but are going to say the IRA there? No, 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 just, <laughs> no. no. <laughs> uh, but I would then, you know, you can put a radius around a city. So I'd say Brussels, yeah. and then I d- might do uh, uh, Ghent or Antwerp, which are a small bit outside of Brussels. Mm. And that would be, say, you would be specifically targeting the Irish side. On the other side, a lot of people, especially I, I'm going to say the ladies' side because they're they're such a great team. Uh, a lot of them bring other sports over so say uh hockey would be, be a big thing they would bring that over we had a lad playing on a hurling team that uh, american guy who was playing lacrosse mm. uh we had a, ba- ba- a basketball player join she was like really good at say defending or marking like really quick on the feet mm. uh so i was getting different sports that from experience of people who played a different sport say with our club and bringing it out bringing their skills over to join join Belgium, join, join Gaelic football or hurling, uh, 
a couple of years ago, a baseball player started playing hurling and, and so on. So I was, I was, I was targeting people who had interest in those sports as well, who might want to give a new sport because someone who can be like a, a, a diamond in the rough would be a way to say it that like oh, yeah. some, like uh, you could see, you could see their technique that they were using. And then it just takes a bit of training then to, to or to bring that into, into the Gaelic sports as well. So mm. a bit, a bit of both, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you find it difficult? We, we've, you know, when you look at the clubs, we're small enough in Europe in terms of we don't have, you know, 15 coaches hanging around there and people to take the kids teams and this kind of thing. Right. So it's it's usually the same people doing the same stuff all the time. You know, it's the same person taking a team out and next year they'll take the ladies and then they'll be back with the men and and this kind of thing. You know, it, um, when it comes to teaching people, especially hurling, which is a game of skill, right? Um, do you find it difficult to teach a baseball player, a lacrosse player, going, okay, baseball, he's not just going to throw the ball at you. You have to go and get it and pitch it to yourself and this kind of thing. Is it difficult to teach them those skills, Sean? Do you need to have a coach's education to be able to do that, do you think? I wouldn't say completely a coach's education. Some people here would include myself, say, even foundation or level one. But... Uh, it can it can be difficult. So it you would need so like you you know you might have fifteen to twenty. So for, for me last year, say you might have a training session, fifteen to twenty lads there, and you have a massive massive range of skill level. So we say we have a guy who played on the Dublin hurling team or on the Dublin hurling panel, you know, which would be a very high standard even even oh, yeah. if it was a few years ago. And then we might have someone who's completely new to the sport. And then you're trying to find the balance of how to these two people are going to be playing against each other or on the same team in terms of a training match or whatever you want to do. So I, I would agree that you sometimes need a bit of manpower. So so we would some, sometimes if a new person is coming down, I might ask one of the lads who who might be around, could you maybe show that person just as I take the the the, the 14 or 15 lads for mm. the training, possibly could you get bring this person just a one-on-one -on -one session for for half an hour and show them the basics and so on at the same time and then maybe bring them in to the training so it does require that if you're if you're on your own it's very hard to to be able to to deal with that mix of players so sometimes it's good that to have someone someone maybe that might be able to help out which which we would we would it, they wouldn't be there the whole time but if you asked them they they would be more than welcome or they more than welcome to do so and we'd have players that would we actually we had like there's one of the guys on our team who who would really help people out and it's after training would be like oh yeah here come have a have a puck around with me and we'll go through some things that type of way so there's a, there's there's people that are there willing to help out so but sometimes it's just you're required to to ask them basically mm -hmm. That's yeah, a fascinating one because I think it's one of those things that I've, for years you were saying you didn't want to have a go at anybody, but I've been around long enough now. I, could, I probably have earned the right to do that. And I kind of think that, you know, we're fine with the Irish people who've seen the game and who understand the game, even if they've never played it before. But when we're bringing in complete outsiders to us, I've always thought that we don't do a great job of selling it to them. And I think it would be great in a, in a places like Brussels and Leuven, which is not too far from where you are there, and in Antwerp. And that's it. There's so many people who play Olympic handball, who play sports that we don't consider like to be like Gaelic football or lacrosse you often forget that that is you know quite similar to hurling that anything with a stick hockey uh, floorball is another big thing in Europe that we don't even do in Ireland you know and that somehow I think we're missing a huge target audience there is TikTok or Instagram the way to get those people? Because there's like there's too much grey in this beard. I'm not the future of Gaelic football anymore. Not that I ever was, you know. But is that is that how we reach these people? Do we have to make you know sort of viral videos to get them involved? Would you think? 
Yeah, 100%. I, I definitely think so. Especially if you want to start, the the demographic is kind of getting getting away from, say, you would say Instagram and TikTok might be kind of a, a younger demographic than, say, mm-hmm. Facebook, possibly. So I definitely do think so, because I don't think you're going to get someone who's who's maybe... Now, obviously, I'm wrong here, but kind of maybe 35 up who's never played the sport before to to join. But if you get people who maybe around college or are just coming out age and want to try something new, who be might be a small bit more energetic, uh, and I think that is a way to do so because it's right in it's right in everyone's hands. It's it's obviously every like it's it's instant and and it's constant right in front of people. So I did a video actually at uh, maybe a month or two ago on TikTok and. It was a day in the life of a European Gaelic footballer. And I was doing it basically on myself, going to match, going to the Netherlands, playing the game of football all, all day, having a couple of points after the game and, and going through that. And that got, I think it, it got nearly 200,000 views, I think, oh, for, that, for that only video uh, over TikTok, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and doing something like that, I think, is, is a very interesting approach to being like, you know, oh, we're playing football, you know, I'm 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 looking forward to doing it where I have to get on a flight. So there's say a tournament in Dresden, which is the far side of Germany for me. So we'll be getting on a flight and and flying over. And you know the weekends away are are great quack. The day trips are are good, but the weekends away, like Munich Munich last year, we went and it was one of the best weekends of the year. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to doing something like that. But that's doing stuff like that. I think is, I think people can relate to that no matter what sport you play. Go on with. With, there was like say 20 lads and 20 women 40 to 50 people from the club all going to the exact same place together to play a day of of, of sport from teams all over Europe uh, and that could be you could have around 200 players from each from say Hurland and 100 from Camogie and it, it doesn't matter what sport you do there you can you can see that and be like this thing this thing looks class this looks really fun and 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 after the tournament then everyone has dinner and we do the presentations and drinks that night and so on and it, it, i think it's really something special especially out here in europe and i think it's something that might be a bit underrated even if you were if you're if you're kind of in ireland you might think of going to america or canada australia or new zealand when when i think europe is right at the doorsteps that's a bit of a hidden gem i i would see it and and people wouldn't necessarily think about these things but i i I feel, especially Brussels is a very underrated city and the language was something that I was afraid of, but was also, I, I, I barely speak French. I can ask for maybe a receipt and a, a plastic bag in the shop. That's about the height of it. And I, I, get, I get away with it in a sense as well. It's brilliant. Those those away trips you mentioned are underrated because like we just came back from one day. We traveled down to Malmo and then back to Stockholm. I came back the same day of the tournament. I had to be back because I was working on Sunday. But the WhatsApp group alone is the most... I cried laughing at what was going on in that. And fellas forgetting things and bring the balls and, and, you know, go, oh, where are y'all now? Oh, we've gone on to this pub. There was too many in the pub with the presentations. Where Have you seen this? Oh, I lost that. Does anybody see my bank card? This kind of... And everything that was going on. Now, there's a load of other stuff in there that you couldn't even mention that were up to as well you know but it was like that that's and that really brings people together because the same fellas and the same girls then will be going out having a drink going for a jog joining a gym together going and seeing a gig or that kind of thing so it really is sort of developmental in that way and what was it that brought you to brussels was it the opportunity to work you didn't move over there solely to play for belgium gaa and make tiktoks yeah no i'm not i'm not i'm i'm not that good now i'm not that good really to get poached <laughs> across uh no, I basically finished college in 2018 and was applying for a few jobs. 
I had no, I had no, uh, I had no kind of nothing in my head to say about moving abroad because uh, I did, I did a J one in Chicago and the, the work didn't go too well or whatever. I didn't have, I it was a great experience, but say it wasn't the best experience. So I didn't really have, I didn't really have uh, much of a thought to go abroad. I was like, I'll just keep looking for jobs in Dublin, which I had a few interviews or whatever, mm. and not kind of coming up. And we had a, a WhatsApp group after college, a few of us where we would send job opportunities to each other. Uh, so one of the guys put in the, the chat and say someone should apply for this and it was a job in Brussels and I just said sure I'll apply for it. this has been maybe six seven months after college finished so kind of I was working in a shop and I was just kind of fed up and I was like oh sure I'll apply for it anyway sure I'll apply for it and then got an interview and I was like oh sure I'll do the interview because my 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 dad always says never always do an interview even if you don't want the job or you don't mm-hmm. just all, do the interview or whatever and see how you get on so then got offered the job and 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 said oh sure I might as well I said at the time I didn't have a girlfriend kind of I was just like why why not I'll, I'll I've not holding me back here so I might as well just give it a go and I thought to myself sure I can always just go home even if it's six weeks or six months because it was only a traineeship I said there's always like Brussels to to Dublin is an hour and a half flight it's 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 not like like the what's what's the worst that can happen I get a, a cheap Ryanair flight back to Dublin and call it call it say nothing to nobody yeah 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 exactly yeah 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 and so then, then, what, what yeah. line of work are you in just just because are you involved in anything to do with communications and that kind of thing was that yeah, your field so of expertise that's, yeah that's my so that's i studied in college and my i'm like graphic design video editing website design and all that so that that is that is what i do basically so i work for a european animal feed association which wouldn't be my background in terms of agriculture but i would be using i'd be using my skills in terms of your graphic design video editing web design and so on through that work yeah um I, I just i keep thinking that somebody like yourself with those skills with that education with that background being in brussels being involved in the ga and that kind of thing and i just wonder why you know as pro of belgium ga i was pro of the european county board as it was previously called it's now gaelic games europe i was thinking we so need somebody like yourself in america in australia in asia and in europe to do this full time because I don't have the time and the energy and the, and the resources to go and do this. I wish I did, you know, but to have people doing that, because again, I always go back to this thing of the future of the games with people whose names we don't even know. And it's also with native players, right? Because if we all walk away from these clubs in the morning, I would love Belgium GEA to be still there. If there wasn't an Irish people left there, if the EU closed down in the morning and Nigel Farage walked in, you know, and the same thing in Stockholm, do you, do you see a need for that? Is that something that you would see as being feasible for the GEA to do? Is it something desirable? Is it something you yourself would like to do? It's definitely something I would like to do. A lot of things with my, with my, with my account, with the GEA room, it's, it's, it's great to do. But I kind of nearly am also adding it as a something to add to the CV. I'd mm. love to. I'd love to maybe get into something eventually into sport, the GA. Like I always say, getting like doing this for the GA or working for the GA, doing this kind of communications thing would be great. But I I don't want to move back to Ireland, so I want to, mm. I want to do a job that that can only be done in Ireland type of thing where you actually would get. Where you where you actually would get paid, or even if it's not with the GA, which with a different media agency that might be doing reporting or or, or whatever, in that sense. Uh, so it it would be great. Like so, even now my time is say less limited on the Belgian side and more focused on on the, my my own personal side. Last year I didn't have it, so there was a lot of things that were involved, especially our lady our ladies football team. They got to the All Ireland Junior Club quarter final, and we hosted over in Maastricht, uh, and. 
I, I even did say I sent the press release out after we bet a prelim against the UK champions and I sent the press release and no, I didn't hear any word about it and then hersport.ie got onto it and then next thing it, 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 it snowballed into this massive thing where I, I was getting emails so the Irish Times the Irish Independent we were on Sky Sports News RT News uh, the Examiner where there's all these different all these different different news agencies. There was this massive interest about this team in in Belgium, who are now playing Casablanca Falls from Monaghan, and it was over in in, in Maastricht uh, to it. So I definitely think there is there is an interest in it, and and we've seen people even 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 on my TikTok seeing like Jesus, great to see the mm-hmm. Irish are still playing and it's going strong across Europe. And when you would think that a lot of time, like everyone knows in America. It's it it it's strong. The standard is strong, and even Australia, the standard is strong. But nobody kind of thinks about maybe the European scene or the Asian scene, like 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 you said as well. So it would be great to be able to have people who are solely focused on that. But then you you have to ask yourself about kind of where how how much can you actually do when there's only maybe a tournament, say a football tournament every month, uh, and then a hurling tournament every month as well. So. If you're doing both sports, which I am, maybe every second week you're playing, but if you're only doing one, you play maybe one month and then you're waiting another month to go again. So there's it, it's sometimes hard to generate that content at the same time as well. But it it would it, it definitely would be great to have to have maybe even part-time possibly where the focus is promoting them around uh you know, we especially with the world games coming up, it probably could be emphasis a bit more, but uh yeah, so that's all really then I kind of Went on a bit too long, maybe about that, but yeah. Not to tell, no, it's, it's a fascinating subject because there's people around the world listening to this who love Gaelic games, right? They love watching their county or their club play. Uh, GA Go, I used to describe it as a tax on Irish people abroad, but I do appreciate it, what it brings to the party for us all. To be able to see games from Parnell Park down the road from my ma's house, it's absolutely brilliant. But it's just that thing of that, that development thing. Um, the reason I love talking to somebody like you and from your generation is do you also understand not just how to reach these people, but how to measure that engagement right so if you take your a day in the life of a Gaelic footballer video that you did on TikTok it came out on Instagram came out on Twitter as well can you see if that converted into anything did you put a link in there that says by the way sign up for Belgium GEA or check out your like is there anything any conclusions you can draw from who watched that and what they did afterwards that you can use as a sort of a pointer or a bellwether to point us to the future this is this is a hard thing like so even with with, with the advertising so people would be would be scrolling through and it would come up and they might just think they might they mightn't even think about it or they mightn't necessarily kind of what's the word be kind of in their brain and yeah. then maybe all of a sudden oh yeah geez i've seen they're they're playing playing along so we 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 had a good few players join at the start of the year and what i would like to think from the advertisement but People might say to themselves, or you might ask someone, oh, did you join? How did you join? And it's like, oh, I just seen it, but maybe not necessarily. It might not have been through advertising or, 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 or so on. It's very hard to, to grasp. You can have where your people click the link or, or, or whatever, and how many people go on, but then you can't, it's, it's very hard to individually track, okay, did this come from an advertisement? Did this come from mm-hmm. someone speaking to, like you can, ask, you can personally ask that person, but if you have 30 to 40 people, uh, Join in a club in 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 the winter. It's it is it is it is it isn't the easiest thing to do. Mm. At the same time, I like to think sometimes. So with with the with the day in the life, a lot of people were also Irish, just talking about playing in Europe. Uh, I did one with Camogie, and then we were trying to we 
I went through Europe. I uh, Maeve, who is the Camogie officer with with GGE, she's from Belgium, and I gave her the video because she's trying to promote Camogie, and, she, and I was like, use this video, even though I used it already on TikTok, but I was like, use this video and post on your own channels as well because it, it it's great to promote just in Europe, basically about Camogie, like because there needs to be sm- a small bit more kind of push because it definitely would say men's football is the that say the most strong in terms of presence in terms of numbers you're uh, hurling so in football you would have your regions you would have five regions in europe like we 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 play in football we never play against stockholm but in hurling it's europe camogie it's europe ladies football is also regions as well so in terms of the hurling camogie might need to be i think the eventual plan is to regionalize it uh hearing from tony bass who i know you have had on your your show as well ah, we, tony, we know great well, so yeah. we know well uh, and eventually, I, th- I believe that is the plan from GGE is to to regionalize hurling and camogie. But there needs to be a bit more, just a small bit more kind of presence along it. And I'm not sure why. Maybe football, just maybe just more popular sport, or people coming out here. But uh, football at the moment is a bit stronger, which is great because it's very strong as well. Uh, in terms of all over Europe, they get teams involved. Well, I think traditionally it's always been, you know, young lads who emigrated first and therefore they bring the boots and men's football is always going to be the growth engine and the thing that drives things forward. But, you know, we can't afford to forget uh, the women's games. We can't afford to get hur- forget hurling just because you need a bit more equipment and it's a little bit harder to do, right? Now, Sean, for the social media illiterate, right? Uh, that's me and vast amount of people who are over the age of 30, right? If they want to do this in their own clubs, if they want to promote the games in their own languages, in Norwegian, in Finnish, in that kind of thing, how do you make a TikTok that gets 200,000 views on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram? How do you make a video that does that? What are your sort of top tips for doing that kind of content? Yeah, well, especially on TikTok, like it just takes a bit of time on your phone and it doesn't necessarily need to be a high production value. So you see videos that are getting getting like hundreds of thousands of views and so on. That isn't a lot of time editing. You don't need to really download any software to make a TikTok video. If you even or if you go into Instagram Reels or TikTok, a lot of them might be just yourself talking. It just takes it just takes an idea. It, I think it's the idea that nearly works well. Now, I, I spend a lot of time in editing, depending on different videos in front of green screens and whatever. But at the same time, sometimes I think that might necessarily or that might not be necessary. Uh, so there, there are a lot of things I I'm always trying to upskill in terms of the live stream. And especially I didn't do much live streaming in college and a lot of it is just kind of a bit of self-knowledge or trying to to YouTube tutorials are, are great. Tutorials on, online are great. Uh, and that's that's a lot of what I'm doing. I didn't really you say I'm not I wouldn't even consider myself an expert expert on TikTok. I've only been on it for three months and still trying to still trying to uh, get the algorithm and see what works and see what doesn't work. It, it's all it really is about testing as well at the start. This is what one of the advice that when I was looking, I was looking at different videos, getting tips and it really was testing at the very, especially at the very start, lots of different, different, different styles of videos and different things and see what worked and what didn't work. And then trying to find out what worked in terms of views and, and sticking to that type of way. So in terms of technically, it doesn't need to be, too, it doesn't actually need to be too much involved in terms of TikTok because a lot of it is on the phone. A lot of the features is on the phone, even if it's just recording yourself, but I, I would say that different things help in terms of graphic design and all that. I, I sometimes get fearful. So you see like people using Canva and, and you see kind of technology advancing and 
getting it, it's getting more and more easy for the average Joe to come along and edit a video together or make a, a poster or a graphic. Which and, is, ma- which, and make you and me redundant. Of yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, yeah. So it, it is great. It is great in that sense. But then why would someone hire a graphic designer if I can make a, a, a quick thing, even though I, I, I would disagree, I'm being sorry, like, I'm being, I completely disagree with that uh, mm. statement, but people, that's sometimes what people think as well. So that, uh, there are more and more tools. So I think it just takes a bit of time or re- research really on YouTube and Google and just say, how, how do I X, Y, and Z? How do I insert an image into a video or whatever on TikTok? And there's there's uh, there's millions and millions of, of different tutorials and, and articles and so on. So it just takes time really to, to, to kind of come over that. But it, it's, it's also, well, I'm probably, I'm probably, well, no, I'm, I was going to say it doesn't, it can be easy, but also it definitely can't be easy because I've been studying it for five years and then I've been working in it for four years now, nearly five years as well. So it does take time, but it, there's even the basic things it, the, from my standards, there's a people can do a lot more with a lot less, mm. and that's how it seems to be going. Yeah, I'll tell you what we will do. Some night we'll organize a live stream, you and me, right? And we'll actually do this. It'll be the first Global Gale live stream ever. And we go through the process of making these things because I can imagine not just for uh, for Gaelic games and for football clubs and hurling clubs and camogie players around Europe. I'm sure there's a lot of Irish people with businesses, with restaurants and with all sorts of businesses around who could probably do with learning some of these things as well. And I know from like one of the things about making a podcast like this is that, you know, it's the podcast is easy, easy talking to you. This is the crack, right? But yeah. it's trying to fucking spread it and get it out there and get people to listen to it. That's where the, the really hard work comes in, you know? Um, if I can ask you to look in your little crystal ball, right? Uh, Belgium and GA, as you said, have been one of the most dominant clubs in Europe, a huge club, always travel with two teams, really great buzz around the place, really great teams. And where do you see Gaelic Games Europe in, or in Gaelic Games around the world, I suppose, in the next sort of five to 10 years? Are we always going to be sort of, you know, dependent on an expat Irish community? Or can you see a point whereby a little bit like in Galicia, in Spain now, and in in Brittany and France, where they have their own little independent thing where everything happens in French or in Catalan or that kind of thing, and we're not really involved? Is that that the future, sort of a decentralized GEA of of Europe and the Middle East and all over the place? I would would say so, like, like, yes and no. So there's always going to be people emigrating kind of an ex and wanting to travel and so on. And we're... You, you know what the, what the song is titled, wherever you go, you'll find an Irish pub and so on. But I definitely do think that is a, a, a future. You used the term, you, you, you mentioned Galicia, which who seem to be football mad in that, mm-hmm. in that area in Spain. Crackers, yeah. They're even, they're even show, showing the All-Ireland, All-Ireland finals on their, on their TV. And actually our women have got to the Pan-Euros final, who, what was being under, on the, the, not the, the area the tv channels live stream and so on mm. so and you you see new york after after beating leitrim and being for, for the first time ever i believe mm. and they had players in their team who were american they're now their father might be i think their father was irish or so on uh but but they were american and american accents obviously they were irish is irish american mm. uh so i do think eventually along the line that's going to keep coming down if if the likes of there's a, f- a few like people who settle here Kind of, there's still a few a few older lads, and they're having kids who are playing GEA, and their 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 dad or their, both their parents might be Irish, but they're they're born in Belgium and so on, and they're going to have those Irish roots. But it they're they're kind of their group. They're I don't know whichever schools they're going to. They might be in a French school or a Dutch school or the European school, which mm-hmm. is maybe a, just a Belgium only thing. But 
there's it, it, it eventually I reckon it will filter down where a lot of people get involved in these sports and it is it is you can see it happening we are, we see it happening around Europe where a lot of people get involved who are not Irish or have any involvement uh, on it uh, the likes of my my girlfriend she she's Belgium and she plays in a very high standard and even won the, the player of the tournament in uh, in the Pan Euros in the main football tournament with every every club coming across uh, so there's like there's and even when we had the All Ireland quarter final here in Maastricht, we scored we scored I think it was five three. It was a bit of a mad scoreline. We scored five goals and three points, and a hat trick came from one of our ladies players who was from Copenhagen, and two two came from a French a French mm-hmm. woman. So we actually didn't have any scores that were were Irish on that ladies team. Uh, it was That's a great nice. game, and the 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 score was the scoreline was a bit mad, but there was no Irish scores as well. Uh, and the team was full of people from all over Europe who who didn't have any roots involved uh, and just got involved through whatever whatever way through living in Brussels. That's I'm loving this picture you're painting for me now. Non-native players scoring hat tricks in quarterfinals and everything else like that. Sean, where can people find the GA room on various social media? How can they get in touch with you and, and follow your content? Yeah, yeah, my my content is all is on uh, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, mainly and it's all it's just the GA room at the GA room uh, so it's it's going great so far it's it's around say 10 overall over the, the, the three platforms that I'm mainly on uh, it's got around 10,000 followers in the space of three months I've had one and a half million views uh, on my content mainly from TikTok TikTok is just insane like I'm, I'm that's why I said earlier that I still don't have the, the grasp of TikTok as much but like it's just it's 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 a it's something it's a platform that people are just watching content so much and just digesting it and it's it's nearly scary in a way but like it, it it's there's a there's a gap there or there's something there that the, the GA can can come into a bit more uh, I feel and benefit because it's just it's 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 it's, it's crazy it's crazy uh, compared to Instagram or t- Twitter so I've around one and a half million views on on. Well, overall, but mostly coming from TikTok and then I've around 100,000 likes and, and comments and stuff like that and mainly coming from TikTok as well. Uh, so you can just follow me from the GA room and just type it in and I should come up, hopefully, anyway, would be the plan. Tremendous. I hope that everybody who's listening to this around the world is not only going to follow you on those three accounts at the GAA room on Twitter, on TikTok and on Instagram, but also sort of contribute to it and maybe even start their own accounts as well to bring the glory of Gaelic games to people around the world. For now, Sean, thanks so much for talking to me. No problem, Philip. Thanks very much for, for bringing me on. It was great to have, be on. A good Meath team down. McQuillan.
There you go now, lads. I'm not even sure that Sean Ryan was even born when that game that you just heard a little snippet from was played way back in 1991. But that was my first time actually living abroad. Myself and a chap called Cahill O'Driscoll, who now lives in Australia, we'd gone down to Greece to work for the summer. And it was a different time, lads, because there was no broadband and there was no TikTok and there was no Snapchat and there was no nothing like that, you know. And um, it was, Greece was quite a poor country, probably even poor, poorer than what Ireland was at that stage. And I used to save up me few bob because those of you who are a little bit older will remember that great battle that happened between uh, Dublin and Mead. And it took four matches in the Leinster Championship. And it was replay after replay after replay. And we weren't earning much. I was working on the door of a pub. And a little bit later in the summer then, uh, I got a job painting a hotel. And at that stage, you know, when you were working sort of 12 or 14 hours a day, you were making a few quid. But geez, it was still only about... I think it was eighteen pounds a day, and I used to get six quid for working on the door of the pub in the evening. It was ridiculous, like. But I used to save up me few bob, uh, and we'd work seven days a week. You know, so that wasn't a whole lot of money every week. But we lived very cheaply, and I take the few coppers I had, and I go down to the phone booths because there wasn't even mobile phones then. And I'd ring me dad Dublin, and my love of the GEA comes from my dear father John O'Connor, who grew up in in Chicor, and then moved to Dunny Carney on the north side, played for Whitehall, Column Kills, a great hurling footballer. I'm bound to say that I'm his son, you know. And uh, I'd ring him up, and as long as the coins would last, he'd tell me the story of the games. And it's amazing to think that across those crackly telephone lines connecting various different parts of Europe, I was on an island called Eos, eight hours south of Athens, calling back to find out what had happened down below on Jones's Road. And he kept all the newspaper cuttings and everything from uh, when I came back in September, and I was able to relive the absolute misery of it. And we all know, lads, I give the, the, the coaches a little bit of a dig every now and again, especially if you're from Cork or from Kerry, and I apologise. It's meant in in, uh, in a spirit of crack, a little bit banter there, you know, so people do, because I'm from Dublin they do take it up a little bit the wrong way on occasion but I'm more than happy uh, to play that little clip there for people like Sean and for Paddy Black who lives here in Stockholm uh, and who loved the GAA as well because it was a tremendous moment in Meath football and there haven't been too many of them re uh, lately now so it's great to relive those memories as well but what's more important I suppose is bringing the games forward so you know if you are in an area that has a GAA club get involved there it doesn't matter if you don't play yourself there's always stuff that needs to be done there's hot dogs that need to be grilled or there's fundraising that needs to be done or social media stuff that maybe you could contribute with or you know maybe you're an accountant and you could be the treasurer and that kind of thing because it is it's a volunteer thing nobody gets a dime out of this I set up the Stockholm Gaze, I don't think I've got a single penny out of it for a phone call or for mileage or any of that crack, that's all reserved for uh, for the top dogs now and I'm far from one of them, so please do get involved and uh, and use this podcast as well like Run On did with um, the Khmer uh, Korja Khmer in Cambodia there, uh, do the same thing as Belgium GAA have done and Tony Bass has done, come on here and tell your stories about your Camogues and your hurlers and your footballers and watches they're getting up to and the crack is are having on that, and as I say uh, at the very beginning there, go back and listen to some of the podcasts that have been on that previously because if you like the GA there's been some great stuff on this podcast and on the Irish and Sweden podcast over the last little while about it right I shall leave you with it a little thought to you before I go right uh, two things one is the Irish in the Middle East and in Asia right I see as lads when I look at the statistics, I know yous are out there. Yous are beyond in Cambodia. But I'm really looking to speak to somebody maybe who's in China or who's in Japan or Hong Kong or Korea or that part of the world because we haven't had you on yet. We haven't had one or two people, I think, from Australia and New Zealand, but it's been a long time now since we had somebody like that on as well. So if you can think of any part of the world that hasn't been represented, uh, please do get in touch with the podcast. And as always, people in Africa, South America, North America, it doesn't matter where you are in the world, get in touch 
Russia and we will stick it on the Global Gale podcast. Patreon.com forward slash our man in Stockholm to support it. If you can't, it'll always be free, but the little bit of help does help enormously. I'll uh, tip me hat now for the week. I'll say thanks very much for listening again. Make sure to follow uh, at the GEA room on all social media platforms, at Philip O'Connor on Twitter, at Philip Ablana on Instagram, and sure, I'll see you very soon. But in the meantime, take care of yourselves, take care of one another, and should we be back again next week and we have a dinger of an episode for you then? Good luck. Thank you.